You are listening to Mommying While Muslim Podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post-9-11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommying While Muslim. This is Uzma Jafri. This is Ava Hassan. Can you give us a little bit of a, a background of what's going on with Rania and you guys? You have a lot on your plate this week. So, like, how was your week? How's Rania doing? How's the packing going? I feel like I haven't talked to you in a long time. Yeah, Rania's good. We actually got her test results back after her last um, chemotherapy, and a lot of people are messaging me, I think they misunderstand. This is not like chemotherapy for cancer. Um, chemotherapy just means you're getting some kind of medicine on a regular ongoing basis to treat a medical condition. So I don't know that this drug is used in any cancer, but it is used um, for immunosuppression. So the Got good it. thing is her numbers are coming down, which means it may be working also because she's not had any seizures, which is awesome. Um, so she's great. doing really well and actually has doubled down and is helping mommy and daddy pack um, like a beast. We all work well under pressure. So it's like oh these God. next two weeks is when we're going to move 12 years of our life, 10 minutes down the, you know, farther west than where we live now. So. Oh my God, you are giving me heart palpitations just even thinking about <laughs> it. So I am wishing you all the luck in the world, my dearest. Thank you. Tell me about your week. How's it been? You know, we've just started our summer program. You know how intense we are. My kids are um, literally yeah. trying to focus. They trying to make amends for the end of our, our abrupt ending of the school year. I have a rising junior, so he is definitely mm. prepping for SAT. Um, he has decided and I'm very proud to say, and I'm, I'm stating it here, he's like, I am going to Northwestern. So he wants to go back to Chi-Town. So inshallah. I am very, inshallah, inshallah, from my mouth to God's ears. And he's like, whatever I have to do to get there, we're going to do. So he finally decided to um, narrow down some of his school choices because we really have to start fi figuring that out and thinking about it. Um, the one thing mm. he specifically started, which I was super proud of, he even created his own logo and everything um, because he normally does basketball camps for younger kids. And this particular year, he's decided to donate all the proceeds um, to helping people on the front lines like yourself, like my dad, like my brother. Um, so in lieu of a fee, he is like, I'm going to donate this. And it's a small and so I'm just kind of helping him set that up. And today is actually the first day where he's doing that. So do you want to let our listeners know what's our soapbox for the week, my dear? So our soapbox today is actually not super political. What I wanted to kind of expound on is what I've been doing this week, and that's packing. And I, unlike you, I do not have the gift of throwing things out. Like if it's functional and it works, why not just keep it for 12 years or more. So I'm literally throwing out things that are 20 plus years old because why, you know, why do we, it's the whole one day, this is going, I'm going to need it as if one day Allah's not going to be there to provide it. Um, and I think somehow, even though I have always thought of myself as a very faithful person, the hoarding of things and the emergency keeping of things is not 
necessarily faithful behavior. And we saw this, you know, when the coronavirus first hit and there was no toilet paper, people broke Costco, right? Because there was no toilet paper. Um, it's as if we forgot that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, one of his names is Razak, the um, sustainer, the provider. And I held on to all these things because, oh, this was what I wore the first time I met my husband, or this is, um, you know, the first picture that my son drew, or, you know, there's meaning that I gave all these things. And I found so many things. And I know that this is going to be true of anybody who has Marie kondo their house that we assign meaning to so many things. And when we go back and we review it, do we even remember what that was? I found unsent letters. I don't remember who I was sending them to or what the point was. They're very well written, <laughs> but I have no idea what, what, what angered me or what triggered me. And it, it's just jogging my memory again. And um, it just made me think, what do we really remember? Like, what's a memento? in quotes, you know, like, are we really going to remember all of these things? And that's not to minimize memories. But when we put our memories in material things, um, I found myself very relieved to throw these things away. Uh, because I attached meaning to a thing. And to me, that just felt like a form of minor idolatry, which is like, the only unforgivable sin for us. So I just really thought, you know, meanings of things. What am I doing? So going a little bit political with the whole Black Lives Matter and all these people, all lives mattering. Um, what does Black Lives Matter mean to them that they're all lives mattering? And what it means to them is by making somebody special and separating their cat, you know, separating them out as a special population, that means it's to the exclusion of everyone else. Um, what do masks mean to people? Uh, what is the meaning assigned? For some reason, people are burning them because they think it's an attack, an assault on their independence, but nobody fights seatbelts. You know, nobody fights um, murder charges for somebody shooting somebody, unless it's a police officer, but yeah. And, and we can talk about our cartoon later. <laughs> you know, so again, going back to the meanings of things, where are they coming from and what do they do? What are the effects that they have? Meanings that we assign to material things or immaterial things like Black Lives Matter, right? That's not a solid thing, but that's a concept. Those meanings generate thoughts in our minds. Those thoughts generate um, feelings and then those feelings generate actions. And then we determine whether those are good or bad. And it all circles back, you know, this is thought model. And I've been really mindful this past week as I'm packing up stuff and um, realizing, you know, like I had emotionally invested in things and it created the action of hoarding for me which created anxiety for me that was not a result i wanted so now i'm really trying to take your advice and being okay with just throwing stuff and if i think it may i may regret it later i'm just snapping a quick picture like you know the kids art and worksheets and stuff like that so those can be my mementos one day but they're in the virtual space and they're not physical so that i can obsess about them and worry about them so i'm really happy 
um, that uh, we have that right now and I have that perspective. So I just wanted to share that as our soapbox to be mindful of the meanings that we assign to things or to concepts. And if it sits, if it makes us feel unwell or unhealthy or uneasy in any way, analyze why. Go back and figure out what we made that thing mean and check and see if it's true or not. And that's what I've been doing this week. And I would advise everyone else to do the same. And hopefully we can clean not only our physical spaces, but also our spiritual and mental spaces in that way. Amen. I am very excited that you're finally taking the leap and doing that. That's our soapbox for today. And I definitely appreciate that you're getting that um, packing done. And if I lived closer, I would, I'm like a packing machine. So like I would have your entire house packed. I would totally have you two, <laughs> two days. But the one thing I do want to say, which, you know, why we're airing this special episode today, um, it's Father's Day. And we, I wanted to specifically say um, Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there, including the father of my children, my father-in-law, my brother-in-laws. Um, I posted this morning how they are all, I'm so blessed to have my children be surrounded by amazing role models. Um, literally, my brother-in-law had to help with the tech at my brother, my father's house. My brothers, have, you know, like, and, and it's just the things that they, they have so many amazing male role models. So how blessed are we that we are surrounding by, by such amazing men, including my ta-da, my dad today, who I am so excited. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, dad. And I'm going to take a second to introduce him because we are trying to get Uncle Joffrey on back online. He was there for a hot second. So I'm going to chit chat with my dad <laughs> while we're trying to get Uncle Joffrey back online. And that's so funny. I realized today I've only known him as Uncle Joffrey. I didn't realize he didn't have a first name. So today I'm realizing after how he's many years he's got a first name <laughs> but i i wanted to read um a, a lot of people didn't a lot of people don't know this but my dad actually um, made a run for u.s congress um he thankfully and this is what i said to him lost and i know he doesn't necessarily feel that way <laughs> but i was like it takes a certain type of person to be a politician and the honesty that my dad has does not put him in that category. So that having been said, I do want to read something. And this kind of describes him a little bit because this was something he wrote from his heart. And I'm going to pretty much introduce him today with his own words. Um, I came to this country seeking a better life. I studied medicine, became a doctor, and raised a multicultural family with my wonderful wife, Reba Darlene, of 43 years. Now I am blessed with children and grandchildren that live the lives I only dreamed of when I was a child. Coming from nothing and building something is amazing and is the American dream. And I want to make sure that everyone knows that they are welcome to the same opportunity to make a dream a reality. I wanted to welcome my dad, Dr. Inam Hussain. Thank you, Dad. I finally have you on the show. Oh, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity, Zeba. And I've been very proud of you and Asma, what you are trying to do while you are still mom and professional, uh, leading your life uh, fullest. And I'm very, very proud that you guys are doing marvelous job and out of the box. And uh, Islam is. Uh, not only uh, some uh, uh, ideology which we worship, but Islam is a practice uh, which we uh, we have to practice, and that's what you guys are doing. And I'm very 
proud that you give me the opportunity to be on your show. Yay! And we get to do it on Father's Day, so that's a bonus. Yes, this was a really special episode. And of course, Inam Uncle, we are so happy and so touched by your support of the podcast. So thank you so much for sharing our episodes and being such an avid supporter. Um, Next, I'm going to introduce my dad, Rashid Joffrey. He joins us today, dad to three, who's done a bunch of things in his life, pivoting whenever it was required to start with working in oil, to being a business owner, to working in airline management, tech support. He taught me always to aim high, dream big, capital B-I-G, and always help someone before they ask you for help and to always have faith. So welcome to Mommy One Muslim Daddy. Happy Father's Day. We've got your friend on, Daddy. Yeah, that's the other thing, too. These guys were bachelors back in the day before they became dads. And I don't even want to hear some of their stories like in the 70s and all that fun stuff. But they're being there um, and they were at each other's weddings and all that good stuff. But that's how Uzma and I know each other. So, Uncle Joffrey, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for asking me to do that. I'm really, really proud of you guys, what you're doing. And I oh. hope you get some place with this. Inshallah. With your du'a, we can go anywhere. But on that note, Inam Uncle, do you want to get us started a little bit about your family background and your fatherhood journey? Thank you very much, Uzma, for giving me this opportunity. Of course, uh, as you know, I came uh, almost uh, 20 years uh, in uh, after my birth. Uh, we came for a humble beginning. Uh, my parents were um, was migrant from uh, India. Uh, of course, my dad was always uh, been very uh, instrumental for education. In 1974, I came to California, and uh, following uh, Labor Day, I came to uh, Chicagoland area to meet my first cousin. So I was visiting them. My youngest cousin, who God bless him, he passed away. He is the one who encouraged me to move because he was the youngest and I was younger than him. So he wants somebody to, <laughs> to boss, around. boss around. So uh, to cut the story short, uh, December of 1974, I met your father with the other two friends, which is still I have, uh, Javed and uh, Lake Faruqi. So that was my first. And uh, uh, Rashid Bhai was the uh, most professional above. Uh, he was already working as a geologist, and he was making a lot of money. And he was the one who <laughs> to treat. So I still remember his kindness. I was a merely a student, and I cannot afford to go to restaurant. He said, don't worry, let's go. And he always uh, paid the bill. I appreciate Aww. that. That's really sweet. <laughs> Do you want to tell us about your daddy journey? Yeah, but it, it was very exciting. Uh, before becoming a daddy, I have to become a husband. Yes. So yes. I met a lovely, <laughs> lovely lady called Darlene. And it was just coincidental. After uh, now, because of our culture, we never dates and things like that. But of course, uh, I was uh, getting the influence of America, learning about what Americans, uh, uh, you know. They, uh, so my classmate always uh, kid around. You don't have girlfriend. So I said, no, I don't have girlfriend. Uh, the professor was holding a party, and he said, you have to bring your girlfriend, otherwise you are not invited. Oh. And I said, okay, no problem. And I was, at that time, was a security guard at one of the EJ Corvette. 
it so happened that my wife uh, to be uh, she was uh, in high school she came as a uh, you know christmas help and I, at that time you know i just was very shy and i asked uh, she looks very uh, beautiful but she still is she was wearing white clothes and i said would you mind going to uh, the party with me she looked at me and was the strange i said what what kind of question i don't know you i said no it's just a party of my professor so so she agreed and we went and uh, six day after that i proposed her uh, to be engaged and god bless her <laughs> and uh, he uh, have talk about the religion she have uh, revered back to be muslim this was a six day and uh, 18 uh, wow. six weeks down the road uh, i married her i talk about that to my good friend rashid i talk about lake uh, and then there was one other friend shahid so they were all confused they say you know you don't know this person and you want to marry her and i say yes i want to marry her and i want to marry this uh, holiday which was the christmas time and i call my dad and he say you gave me a short notice my mom got upset and i have four friends which is rashid laik javed and uh, saizullah may god bless him and uh, six other uh, classmate of mine they were at my wedding and it was excitement time uh, to that my dad was always supportive of me believe it or not he was a pakistani person but he always supported me a matter of fact he came a trip to witness my first child so he came all the way if zebra knows or not my dad came to see my first child he told me and and may 34 and i was working at that time michael rees and they came to my life it was so exciting time i was so uh, you know i cannot explain to you how, how uh, you know happy i was that's so funny so i i'm going to ask uncle jaffrey the same question since he's been sitting there so patiently what was your journey to america and then your fathering journey i never wanted to come to united states i had a good job very good job as a matter of fact people will die for that in pakistan at that time i was working for a foreign oil company with all those benefits and all things so i did not want to come but the thing is the bad habits always benefits you one time i went out for the smoking cigarette to a friend's house and he was filling filling out an application form for america and he had an extra form so he said why don't you do it you know it will cost you so many dollars such a small amount go ahead and file send this application so i did that friend of mine never got admitted and i got admitted in within a month my father told me that you need to go to america because your future is not in pakistan pakistan will be in lot of trouble so go to america i said why should i go i have a good job and things like that he said no you have to go go and try it first of all so i went there and i did we have to go through a uh, english testing program and somehow i passed that so january 9 1973 i came to united states found a job in a factory within 3 months i found my professional work tarza engineering company 
sure. your father Aww. was talking about. So during that time, everybody was going to the hard time, going to school, doing the job, whatever they can get, okay? Hiding themselves from immigrations. <laughs> so but the student, fortunately, I found that good job. They sponsored me and I got my green card. And when I got my green card, I called my father that said, congratulations, I got my green card. He said, instead of him, my brother, my older brother, uh, answered the call. And he said, come immediately. So I got a kid. I thought that maybe my father is ill. So I went back to Pakistan and they was the trap. They wanted me to get married. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> we got married in nine days. And uh, I ended up staying more than nine days over there. When she came to Pakistan, the day she was coming came to Pakistan, this guy did not wait it for me and did not tell me and he, he was having a party. Uh, that was his engagement day. Ooh. Oh, Inam Uncle's party in Chicago. Yeah. Oh, got it. Chicago, yeah. In, uh, Inam Uncle was getting engaged and uh, I just walked into the, our favorite store, Gateway to India restaurant and they all, all of my friends were sitting over there and my, of course, my wife was very embarrassed because she was not properly dressed. Oh, she did mention that. And anyway, that's how we began our life. Aww. Okay, jolly. One thing I'll tell you, the friendship we developed at that time, are I'm so proud, so happy that it is still, it's still there. Same thing. And now it's a generation later and it's still there. Like Zeba and I are friends. They are keeping it going. And that, that is the thing which tells me that we achieved something. What I'm hearing from both of y'all's stories is the influence of fathers on y'all's lives too and the decisions that you guys made um, and in shaping your identities. You know, Uncle, do you want to talk to us about how um, some of the challenges and um, how you face them in developing your children's identities in America? Uh, very good question. You know, from uh, get-go, it was... Uh... Initially, uh, despite the fact that, uh, you know, I found the uh, American wife, uh, but from the uh, onset, uh, the group we hang out you know, was me, Rashid, and uh, Laik and all that. Uh, we tried to keep our identity intact. We wanted to be uh, Muslim first and American second, to be honest with you. So we were trying to be attached to our Islamic identity. We want to learn, of course, uh, back home in uh, Indo-Pakistan, uh, mostly I came from Pakistan. Uh, we don't have to uh, face that uh, problem because that is uh, by uh, default, uh, we are Muslim and we picked up on Juma and we picked up on our aunt and uncles who tell you and mind you what are the mannerism, how the Islamic uh, etiquettes are. Here we have to struggle to become a Muslim, to be honest with you. So from get-go, we become like that. And at that early stages, if uh, uh, my wife and all that, we were very, uh, I'm trying to be, you know, uh, create my Islamic identity. 
So we learned, uh, we used to go on weekend uh, to local uh, Islamic center. And at that time, only two centers were there called MCC. So we were very avid uh, participant where only 20 or 25 people used to come. And during that time, we, one after the other, either me, Rashid, I think uh, Lake was first as a father. And then I think uh, uh, me and then Rashid, uh, something like that. So we were coming and then we trying to arrange how we will have our Islamic identity. We were holding uh, our uh, Ramazan together. We are holding our Salat, Ravi together. So we were trying to create. Even without family, we our bachelor's life was very simple. Uh, we only hang out together as a weekend, as Jaffrey was trying to allude, that lake was very good cook and uh, he was making food. So that's why Jaffrey used to come. But we become married and we have family very early. We try to learn uh, from the, our local imams and so forth. You guys were the original immigrant class. I think it was after the 1960s. Uzma knows all the history, so I'm going to let her tell that for another day because I just I just learned from her. But because of us, a lot of the, the civil rights movement, that immigrant class got to come here to America and you guys were part of that first generation of immigrant class coming to America. And as a result of that, you guys were able to start something our generation is continuing, and for for and our hopes is your grandchildren. By God's grace, you guys have a beautiful brood of grandchildren that are doing the next thing and taking what you guys started and not knowing. And and has and literally like, can you? How do you feel about that? Like that's such a ma amazing thing because I know Rayan now is what he's twelve. Zachariah will be seventeen in August. Um, unfortunately, in my grandfather, my, my dad started uh, talking about my grandfather and he um, was sick when I was pregnant with Zachariah. And he literally was the first person I told two days, I think it was two days before he was born, right, dad, that um, Dadaba actually passed away. But that weekend before he was like, I want to know what his name is. Um, and I'll cry uh -huh. talking about it. And we had that conversation. And two, two days later, he was born. So I, he got to see that generation be like present because Zachy was the first of our generation. He gave me the whole history of the name, why it's important to carry on the Muslim identity. And I hope and pray that we've done what we can to pass that along. May Allah reward him and grant him for giving such a beautiful name to your son. And, you know, I think it's so poignant you pointing out that these dads overseas on the other side of the world had such foresight to send their sons and not knowing what's waiting for them, um, but trusting that their sons would carry on their Muslim identity, their cultural identities. And speaking to that, I thought I would ask my dad what his philosophy was in shaping our identities and how he approached that. Yeah, you know, first of all, let me tell Zeva, when you're crying, <laughs> tells me that we did something right. Oh. And that's, that's what it is, you know, like my father, when Uzma was born, I just called her. I, you know, I was shaking like a leaf in the big storm and I was so scared that I'm not qualified to bring a daughter in the country 
wanted to go back. So I called him and he said, don't, don't haste anything. Don't make a hasty decision. Uh, I will write to you and we will talk about it. So he wrote me a letter. And he said that, hey, you are one of the luckiest persons. There are millions of people around the world wants to go to the United States. And you got a chance. And you went there. You got a good job. You got a green card. You came and you married into a good family. And now think about it, that why it happened to you? According to him, he said that the God has selected me. And we, all our friends got together and we made a goal. We thought, we decided that, hey, we should, not we should be proud of our children, but God should be proud of And that's what we worked on. And that's what, we faced a lot of problems. You see, for every generation, the problems will be there. There will be different problems. But problems will be there, challenges will be there. It is, we try to face to the best of our ability. We did the best we can, that's all we could have done. It is not that we gave you everything, no. But we gave you, I tried to give my children confidence, number one, faith, number two. And I tried to give them right direction towards Allah's path. What Rasulullah has done. I tried to do that. I lived, I devoted my life after Uzma was born. She was the biggest challenge I ever faced in my life. <laughs> and yes, that is true. <laughs> yeah. no, you wouldn't believe it. Half of Houston became our friend because of Uzma. He used to run. Two years old or less than two years old, she runs so fast with her bullets that everybody, you know. Anyway, but she was so cute running around and runs so fast that I couldn't follow her. But, you know, and we tried to accept it. And I did. I followed my father's instructions, what to do and how to do it. My father, of course, physically, he did not see them. But when we sent them the pictures, he put them on his suitcase cover. Aww. And he used to show other grandchildren that, hey, this is your brother and sister living in the United States. You need to remember them. Don't forget them and all those things. So uh, it was so bad of me that I could not go before we stepped to Pakistan. The reason for that is I was putting all my efforts to bring these children as good Muslims. 
Tune in next week for another episode of Mommy Wall Muslim. Assalamu alaikum, everyone.